I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Hey guys, it's David Burns, the founder of BaseballJobsOverseas.com, and this is our podcast that helps to inform you about the many playing and coaching opportunities around the world. Today I have Brian Ruby on the podcast for a second time because his story just keeps on going and I love it. The last time we had Brian on the podcast, he told us about his story in Europe, how he came there to play um, second division baseball in Germany, but utilized that opportunity to travel around Europe and network and shake some hands and get picked up for tournament teams. That then springboarded an opportunity to hop on with a team of baseball globetrotters that traveled down to South America for a little tour where they played some games in Peru and Chile before their trip got cut short. Due to the start of the pandemic, that was back in 2020, his story continued since then, and that's what we're going to talk about today, which led him to Guatemala and then to the Upstart Mavericks League. Make sure after you listen to this podcast episode that you mark your calendar for January 3rd, 2022, where our third episode is going to come up with Brian Ruby, because believe it or not, his story just got more interesting, which led to a cover feature on the sports section of USA Today, and singing the national anthem at Dodger Stadium. So without further ado, let's get on with this podcast episode with Brian Ruby. Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks for joining me again. Last time we chatted, you know, we talked about your time in Germany with Frankfurt, you know, Finkston Ball, all that good stuff. And then, of course, the, the infamous trip with Los Chivos down to South America. Um, so a lot's happened since then. So uh, why, don't, why don't we start with that? Like you ended up in Guatemala. First off, I, I told my mom that I was thinking about going down to Guatemala and she was, <laughs> she thought I was joking. Um, and she was surprised and worried because it doesn't have the, how do I say this in a nice way? It doesn't have the reputation for being like the safest place. Uh, so she was nervous and she was worried. So I, I reached out to a bunch of, there really weren't that many. It was like three guys that had played there um, in years past. And they kind of told me how it worked and um, that I'd be well taken care of and ended up flying from Nashville down to uh, Texas and then from Texas on to Guatemala City. So, right in the midst of a pandemic, too. In the midst of crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. It was the, the plane was absolutely empty. There was a couple people that were clearly from Guatemala that were going back, and they were looking at me like I was boarding, and all, even the flight attendants were looking at me like, you're an American going here. Like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. you're the only one. It was weird, like, being the – only white guy like on going on the plane like everybody's looking at me weird <laughs> I was worried about like you know what happens if I get COVID because that was before the vaccine what happens if I get COVID when I'm there you know and I get stuck there and it's pretty much like you know you got to beat it on your own because the healthcare system is not what we're used to in the U.S. so but I just kind of reconciled like I'm a young, healthy guy. Might as well take this shot. You know, ended up being 
one of three Americans, three U.S. players in the league, um, the whole league. And then the other two guys, one got hurt and one left, and I ended up being the only U.S. player to stick it out all season. So it was cool. Well, good for you. I mean, talk about love for the game. Uh, you know, like you, you'll 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 travel during a pandemic to maybe, like you said, not the best reputation as being a safe country uh, to be in. Um, so, and you know, uh, language-wise, probably uh, how, you have Spanish in your background. Uh, I took it in high school. I was yeah. the whole time because I should have yeah. paid more. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about really taking like rolling the dice a bit to play some baseball um after yeah. a summer of coaching and probably just chomping at the bit to, to play some baseball um so it paid off sometimes you know you got to take risks in life it paid off you had a great experience which we'll get into um I, I, from our perspective at baseball jobs overseas when there's a league that's kind of in startup and you're right it was the second year now that you mentioned that um i remember it, it was a year before and we were in in contact with Juan about about guys going over but we were a little hesitant to recommend anyone going there we, we'd like to see like a season of of guys going there and, and get some feedback like we did from you uh, before we would then recommend it so since we've had that feedback from you we yeah. now feel a lot more comfortable saying hey this is an option now for for winter ball where prior prior to that like if you had approached us about and maybe you did I can't remember about um you know uh, what we know about Guatemala. Uh, I would have said uh, it's kind of un, un, uncharted territory, so you know, go at your own risk, kind of thing. Um, so anyway, you went there, and here you are in Guatemala. Uh, so what are like your first impressions? What what like was there a point where you're like, oh, what I get myself into, or what like from the start was it kind of like, all right, you know, like on the ball field, and you know, you're. You, you know, things started going well from the beginning or, or how did it go? How was that first couple of days, the first experience there? Luckily I had had that experience in South America before I had been the Chivo's trip. We went to Peru and Chile. So I kind of knew I had been on the ground there. I, I would, a couple guys have asked me about this. I would recommend it for guys who are experienced overseas ball players. Like if you know how to handle yourself in Europe, if you know, if you've done the drill, like you, you'll do all right in Guatemala, like just getting through it. But if it's your, if you're coming out of college, if it's your first experience, I would, I would say do something in Australia or Europe first, mm. just so you can get your traveler's legs um, under you and kind of get a little bit of experience in your back pocket. I felt safe the whole time for the most part, like, but it was definitely, I had to be savvy in certain situations. Like, and I don't know if I could, if I would recommend that to like a first timer, but for the experienced guys, I would say do it. Um, as far as, you know, getting on the ground there, Guatemala city is capital Guatemala, you know, it's all based in Guatemala city. So I flew in, they picked me up from the airport. They dropped me off. They took me to, it was funny. Like first dinner in Guatemala city was at pizza. Hut. <laughs> but um, no, no traditional food. Like, Hey, check out our food here. Like we had a lot of traditional food. Um, yeah. They, they housed us at, um, 
I was roommates with a, a Puerto Rican catcher for a little bit. And uh, there was a lot of import guys to come to think of it, but not a lot of U.S. guys. A lot of guys from Central America, Nicaragua, um, Venezuela, um, Colombia, Mexico. Um, the team was fully Spanish speaking. I was able to get by. Um, there was a couple guys. I have kind of like workable Spanish. It's okay, just from high school. Um, and there was a couple guys on the team that had played in the minor leagues with the Orioles. So they their English was was also like workable. So we were able to kind of meet in the middle. Yeah, but it was it was a different experience, like having being on a team that was fully coached in Spanish. Hearing <laughs> the signs, you know, the first day, like, and there's a butt saying this, 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 and I'm like, oh, what, a, what the heck are the signs? They pointed at me like you just hit. I was like, all right, cool, <laughs> just just swing. Don't don't even just pretend you you know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I get on third base and the coach is like you know, talking to me and, and I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> I guess I just got to run home. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of it. In the end, it's baseball. You know, we all kind of, we know what's going on. There's a few times where it's, it, you know, speaking the same language comes in handy, but for the most part, you just go out and play. Right. So, um, so that's, that's, you know, that's a, that's a cool story so far. I'm enjoying it. So how is, you know, all these questions are flashing through my head as you're talking. And one of them jumping back a bit. Um, what is the food like that? That is part of the experience. If you're going to go overseas to a whole new culture, you kind of want to know these little things. Like what are, what are you signing up for? So we'll dive into a few of these little areas, but one of them uh, is food. How, how was the local food? And, and for somebody that maybe isn't that open to trying new things or whatever, can they get, Lots of are the lots of places like Pizza Hut for the guy that you know just wants to go there and just eat what they call normal food. Um, the local food, I mean, that really speaks to a bigger question like, what was the community like? And the one of the coolest parts about being in Guatemala was the fact that I lived, they put us right smack dab in the middle of like the local community, so we were about two, maybe two miles. Um, from the ballpark, um, it's like the national baseball stadium of Guatemala, um, and our, where the imports lived, or at least where we lived was, it was within walking distance, but usually we were able to get a ride from somebody. Um, and it was a communal house of like 10 or 12 people, all who had different jobs there, um. It was interesting, you know, like one of them worked at a hospital. So, you know, mid COVID, we heard about what was going on there. One of them worked for the government. Um, a couple of them were very much like anti-government people. And there was protests at the Capitol building while we were there. We were actually invited to protest at the Capitol, you know, by our hosts and mm. me and the other imported baseball guy kind of said like, you know, we don't really know what's, what, what we're pro what's being protested and, and what we're signing up for here, yeah. you know, and we were watching it on TV while we're there and it's like a riot and they burned down the congressional building and we're like, you know, probably good that we're not there. 
my parents are texting me. They see it on CNN like a day later, like, are you okay? And, you know, that was the Capitol building is, 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 was four miles from where we live. So it wasn't that close, but it's also like, you know, there's protests and the police and it's burning and, 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 you know, it was crazy because one guy worked for the government in our communal house and the other people were protesting it. So it was like, they got along fine in person, but yeah. it was, it's, it's, it was crazy how I just kind of landed in the middle of this in Guatemala, you know, just trying to play baseball, but speaking, <laughs> to, the food, speaking to the food, um, there was like an abuela, like a grandmother who lived in the house and her job, she operated like a tiny little kitchen out of the, out of this little garage. So during the day, the, the landlord would pull his car out and go to wherever. And uh, they would put like four little tables in and people from the local community, she would just be cooking all day. And people would just walk by and it was like a little makeshift restaurant. Um, so we would have local food every day. I'd get up, um, you know, and I'd pay, it was the equivalent of about, I'd pay in Quetzales. So, uh, and we, we did get paid being there. So I had money and uh, it was more than enough to get through the time that I was there. Um, we would pay like 15 Quetzales, which is like us it's like a dollar and 84 cents and they bring us this big breakfast cost of living super cheap um eggs frijoles which is like black beans mashed black beans with tortillas corn tortillas uh, um avocado platanos which is which are like fried plantains so i mean we got local food every day Ironically, the one time I got sick, I was, I was kind of worried because we had gone on a family vacation to Mexico when I was a kid and I got really sick. So they told me like, you know, be careful what you're, you're eating because of the bacteria and stuff. And the one day I got sick was not when we ate the local food, but it was when we went to Taco Bell, which is... <laughs> of course, eh? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, we experienced every day on the ground there, we experienced the local food, culture, got to know the people. Like I said, I met people in the government. I met people protesting the government. I met people yeah. working in a hospital where, you know, during COVID, which was wild, um, there was young people, you know, met people closer to my age. Um, I had my teammates were overall, it was, I would say incredibly positive experience for me. My teammates were super nice, you know, um, buying me beers, cervezas, uh, learned all about the local beer and, and, you know, um, they would make like, there was this drink with like beer and spices and, um, like a, a local like shrimp or piece of crab and it's all mixed together and it mm. they would make that for me and and after the game and um we had a teammate with an apartment in antigua who which is like uh there's volcanoes there and that's like a an old spanish town that was founded like 
hundreds of years ago um, with like old Spanish architecture and at the base of the volcano. And he had an apartment in Antigua and we would go there. They would drive us there. We'd sleep there and get up and go to like the market in the morning and, and yeah. eat the local food and hike. And they, they took us on um, to hike two different volcanoes with my, with my teammates and, one of which was actually, I should have sent, I completely forgot to send you guys a picture, but we like went about 50 yards from a lava pit and um, close enough that you could feel the heat on your, on your shoes, like the rubber of your shoe on the bottom of your sneakers, like yeah. starting to melt. It was that hot. So you got photos of that? Yeah. Photos, videos. Never too late to share that stuff on our, because <laughs> that's, you know, how many people, how many of our guys have gone overseas to play ball and, and, and can say they've, they've, you know, been that close to, to lava and on, in a volcano uh, or at a volcano, not in a volcano in Guatemala. So, you know, this is, you know, yeah, keep going. I, I'm just like, listen to the story of all your experiences. You're answering kind of a lot of questions as you're, as you're telling the stories here, but. Uh, I got a video of like, we had like a Coke can. We had like a, a can and a bottle and we were so close to the lava. Whereas you could like our catcher tossed it into the lava and you could see that it was so hot that the instant this glass bottle hit the lava pit, it caught on fire and just melted into it. <laughs> That's so, cool. cool experience. It was cool. So overall, um, cost of living, obviously, like you, like you already touched on, but I, you're, you go out with your teammates, like to somebody that maybe isn't set up in this kind of uh, little community and they're a little more on their own and they want to go out for, for a meal. Could you pretty much eat out at a restaurant every day? Like that's how cheap it is. If it based on with your salary. Yeah. Yeah. We got, um, to be totally transparent, it was a couple hundred bucks us a month, which is, I think the, the, I don't know what the exact uh, currency exchange is now, but um, one U.S. dollar is like maybe seven quetzales. So it's very, very cheap to get around there. You know, I had no problem living off of what they gave me. Um, you Just could Google eat out if you wanted, um, especially I would – the, I would suggest like if you were if you were gonna do this, I would suggest really getting ingrained with the guys on the team because I don't know if I would even me who who has been to all these different countries and, and traveled and you know been through a lot of experiences um, I don't know if i I wouldn't have the confidence to like go somewhere random in the city and go out to dinner by myself like just because of the safety and you, there was always certain neighborhoods that we were told not to go in. And I don't exactly know where those, the borders of those are. And mm -hmm. it was just a little, just being cautious. I would always go with my teammates when, if they were going somewhere, I knew that I could get a ride there, get a ride back, you yeah. know, a good spot, have my friends close by. Um, 
For sure. Good, good, good advice. And that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, but I do know that like each team allows up to like 10 import players. So was that kind of maxed out? Uh, or like, so were these guys that you're hanging out with, uh, also import players that also don't really know what they're, what they're doing or where they're going, or were there always Guatemalan local teammates that are kind of available or around to, to ask questions or to go out with or to hang out with? Was that, well, so how was that situation? There was always local guys. Um, they do, you're right. They do bring a lot of imports. It's kind of striking this balance between developing local talent and bringing in imports. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan Berger, the CEO of the league, did an outstanding job. He was super nice to me, great guy. And it, the league is really his baby. Like he's, he's in charge, he's running everything there. And he made sure that, you know, we had a, both a good amount of imports, but also a good amount of local guys. And that the local guys, like uh, my friend Manny Hernandez, was kind of like my guide over there. He had a big, he played with the Orioles and he had this big white truck that, you know, could get anywhere. And we would, he would, I'd hop in with him and we'd take it up the side of a volcano or, or wherever, you know, they, yeah. they really do. They were so, so nice to me taking care of me. And I would say if you're an imported guy, they'll, they'll probably, they'll make sure you're okay. Yeah. And they'll take care of you. Yeah. That's perfect. Cool. I appreciate that. Let's get into the baseball side of things. Um, so there, I believe four teams. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Or were there? Yep. Four teams. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of uh, Latino players from South America, Central America. Um, and uh, so the level uh, was pretty good. Um, so maybe yeah. you can describe the level of play a little bit. Yeah. Level was good. I mean, like you said, four teams, all centrally located. We played all the games at the National Stadium of um, in Guatemala City. So it was like every day that there was a game, we were all going to the same place. Even if the other teams were playing, I was still going to watch. You know, mm-hmm. it was a real – the baseball community there is – what's the best way to describe it? Like small but passionate, I would say. Um, and there's characters and, and, you know, just like any baseball community anywhere, you know, based around a field, it really was a, a, a cool experience competition wise. I saw some good pitching, um, like in the championship series, we faced a guy who had been in double a with the Washington nationals who was Dominican. And then I think had pitched in the top league in Mexico. So, you know, these are each team had some guys that were big dogs, at least relative to what I had seen in Europe. Um, and it prepared me well for to compete in any ball in the U.S. I'll just say, you know, there was – guys who had been in the minor leagues on my team, um, like Fabian Vizcaino, our catcher, Manny Hernandez. Um, We had a left-handed pitcher from Central America who was, I thought, had 
outstanding stuff. Um, Luis Ramos, he lefty thrown in the low nineties, like, you know, could have been an affiliated guy, um, professionally in the U S and, and it was, it was a tough competition, but I did all right. And, you know, it, it's not a cakewalk. Um, I would expect to be challenged, you know, if you're going to go there, um, just everything, you know, you have to go into it with a, taking it day by day, competitive attitude, Mm -hmm. getting ready to hit, getting ready to swing. They don't, you can't, you're not going to gain any respect there by walking, you know, they they want you to hit the ball kind of like what I, I think I showed bunt, you know, I was, I showed bunt once all season and I got yelled at by the coach. He's like, hit the ball. You're the imported guy. Like, (laughs) so you got, you got to prove it. I got lucky. I got, uh, I had a, maybe second or third game there. I had a chance to win a game with a walk off and, um, I did that. So I'd say it's important to like, you're imported like you know there's a little bit of a different expectation for you and it's important to like solidify your spot and your reputation as like a guy who can hit Mm because that's what they're looking for yeah they're either looking for guys who can swing it or you know starting pitchers yeah that's kind of what maybe a catcher but or middle infielder but otherwise you got to be able to swing it you you play three games a week I know the season got cut short, but let's say that the season didn't get cut short. It's like a three-month season, I believe, September through mid-December kind of thing was the planned, the original planned um, schedule or in, in length of season. Plan. Maybe at one point I had heard into early January, mm-hmm. so um, maybe a little bit longer depending on playoffs. But um, the other thing was that all of our games were broadcast on TV, which was cool. Yeah, so there was that. There was announcers there. There was it was on Facebook Live back in the U.S. and it was on uh, Tigo Sports, which I think you could get with some type of cable package in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But my parents back in the U.S. could watch. You know, time difference wise, it's only an hour different, um, and they could watch every game. It was all in Spanish, but it was yeah. cool to have those highlights we'd have local people tuning in yeah you know interested in baseball there was rules against like how many fans could be there because of covid so it was generally an empty or close to empty stadium because of that but the stadium itself can house a couple thousand people maybe three or four thousand people yeah so yeah i I went to grab some clips of you and for our social media and stuff. And, and I was pretty impressed with, with the, the level of the lot of the live stream, like, in, you know, multiple camera angles and um, pretty like high definition. So yeah, it was, it was, they, they did a good job there. Um, so just, it, just for someone that's watching this, that's thinking of going to play in Guatemala one winter, how many games were on the original schedule before the season got cut short? Approximately. Uh, I don't know. It's a couple months worth. I mean, yeah, three days, three games a week for two or three months. For two, Something yeah, like two that. or three months, and it wasn't like Europe where there was some breaks in there. It was pretty consistent. Like when you're mm-hmm. there, you're playing 
Yeah. So that, cool. I, I enjoyed it because there was a, like I mentioned with the exploring and the traveling stuff, like mm-hmm. there was, there was that 48 hour window every two weeks or whatever to, where we didn't have practice and we could do something adventurous where we could kind of go, go away for two days and then come back. Like it was yeah. spaced out such that you get to travel, you get to, if you're smart about it, you get to experience local culture and stuff and still play a lot of baseball. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, about the, the league you're in right now, where you are situated right now. Um, yeah, we'll just start with that. So it's called uh, the Maverick League, um, named after the iconic Portland Mavericks team, independent team of the 19, late 1970s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. They were that team, that, that documentary um, Netflix called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. Classic. That's that's kind of what the Mavericks were. And it all started here. Um, it's all based it's, – it's kind of like Guatemala. It's based at a central field. Like it's in – so we're in Oregon. That's where I am right now at my host family's house. Um, and it's a four-team league all based at Volcano Stadium in Salem-Kaiser, Oregon. Uh, the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes were formerly affiliated with the San Francisco Giants. They were a single-A team. And uh, due to the, like, the minor league restructuring, they got kind of got pushed out. So they decided to start um, – it was all the idea of like uh, Mickey Walker and uh, Jerry Walker, Jerry Howard – uh, all these guys that are that worked for the volcanoes uh, and that part of their ownership group, um, when they were affiliated, they decided to start this independent league. So I didn't know what to expect. To be honest, I don't think anybody did. It's always a little shaky with first year independent leagues. But um, my other option at the beginning of this spring was to go back over to Europe, which I was excited about, but I was also a little bit nervous about because we didn't know when we'd be able to travel over. So um, I got the contract offer from here. I had sent them highlight videos from Guatemala and from all my baseball jobs overseas profile and stats and stuff. And um, they offered a contract. So I just kind of decided to to jump on it and We've been I've been here since early May, and it's late July right now, and the league is, for the most part, run smoothly, successfully. I think we have about six weeks left in the season. Um, we play three games a week. Um, they're all broadcast on a live stream. You know, this, they, they say that the stats will be on baseball reference which is a big selling point for guys that are trying to move up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of guys here that are former minor leaguers coming from other independent leagues. There's a couple from overseas, but not that many. Uh, it's mostly distinctly different brand of baseball than the overseas baseball experience. Mm-hmm. So it's been cool to be a part of this here. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of I recognize a lot of names on some of the rosters when I was looking through. And uh so yeah, it sounds like 
you know, it's a good level of baseball. Uh, you're in a nice area, all centrally located, uh, beautiful stadium, like facility wise and everything. Um, so how's the, you know, anyone watching this, that's kind of interested in, in, in potentially playing there next year. Um, how is the setup? How is your setup? Um, you're with the host family you mentioned, um, you know, you know, without really, you don't have to throw numbers on it, but are, are you, you know, are you're, are you paid enough to kind of get by or to at least not dip into your pocket? It's, I would say if you're going to play in the Maverick league, definitely have some money saved up. Um, Cost of living wise, you know, it's a lot easier to get through in Guatemala where you're paying a dollar and 83 cents for a whole meal. Yeah, um, it's it definitely helps if you have a car here. If you're a U.S. guy, I decided I, I definitely wanted to bring my car. I didn't want to have to rely on rides because every day I'm like glad that I have my car here. So yeah. I have the freedom to have the freedom to, to go different places on our off days to explore, to hike and trip up to Seattle, see a Mariners game, you know, do mm -hmm. stuff like that. The difference between other places overseas is that I would say that this place is, it's on the, that pipeline of up the ladder in baseball. Like it's low on the pipeline, you know, it's a lower level independent league, but if you do well, like we've had a couple guys from the league that have moved up to a higher league, the frontier league, Atlantic league. And from then on, you know, you can make it into the Meyer leagues and potentially major league baseball. So it, it is on the pipeline, whereas overseas is kind of just off the pipeline. The Australian baseball league, like some have used that as kind of like a, a place to showcase themselves and work their way into affiliated ball. But for the most part, yeah, you're, you're right. It's not in the pipeline. Usually it's people go from indie ball to overseas and usually it's kind of like a one way route. Um, but I feel very lucky to be one of those overseas guys who can make the jump to indie ball. And I just kind of want to hang around for as long as I can try to keep mm -hmm. competing. One of the, speaking to what you said, one of the, another big difference is job security. Like if you're usually, if you're an imported guy from the U S or Canada and you're brought over to play in the Bundesliga or, or, in Austria or, or, or Czech Republic, usually like you have, assuming that you play reasonably well, like you have some job security for the duration of the time that you're there. And that has been something that I haven't found here. You know, I've been okay because I've, I've been playing well, but it seems like our, our team roster is 22 guys and it's July and we've had, I think 42 or 43 guys cycle through our roster from the original roster to the current roster. So um, each week it seems like one or two guys are getting either cut or traded. So, and then they're bringing in another one or two guys. So it's um, a, a constant revolving door of teammates that you have an indie ball and, and guys trying to move up the ladder, get cut, you know, traded away. It's like kind of a, just like the wild west of, especially on my team. So in terms of, you know, yes, it's on the pipeline. It's, it's low on that pipeline up the ladder to the major leagues way up there uh, in the U S but at least it's on the pipeline, but it, 
there's benefits to that, but also, you know, in terms of team camaraderie, uh, really feeling like you're a part of something, you know, adventure and exploration um, and job security, I would say that's where overseas has it beat. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And, uh, it's, and it's also not guaranteed overseas. Like there are guys that are sent home. But I mean, overseas, as you know, <laughs> often a part of the total package of an import player they bring over is not just the playing aspect, but it's also the coaching aspect. And you've built up quite the coaching resume. Baseball jobs overseas profile, you have your playing side and your coaching side. And when you go overseas... They're often bringing you over because of both of those things. So maybe you're not having the best season ever. The coaching is that added value. And I know a lot of teams overseas um, will keep an import the full season, even if maybe they're not putting up import-like numbers, uh, Mm -hmm. if they bring a lot on the coaching side too. On this, in terms of this question between indie ball and overseas, is that overseas you're like, a base, a baseball ambassador for that city here in indie ball, they couldn't care less. Like what, how you even do in practice. Like it is about results in the game. Like if you, if you're not putting up results in the game, like see ya. overseas, I, I usually feel like even though it's farther from home and in different environment, I feel like safer. Like here, I still feel like I have to fight it out every single day. Yeah. But it, it, there's an appeal to that too, because you're kind of testing yourself, not yeah. not not just your your skill from a skill standpoint, but also from a, a mental standpoint, like you know uh, how you can zone in and focus and put all that aside, and, you know. But but it gives you a greater appreciation for for the guys that do it at the at the highest level too, and and also like a lot of one of the things is is whether you're you're you're, you're in independent ball or you're overseas is. As you as you age, of course, independent ball, your your options get fewer as you, as yeah. you age. Um, but overseas, your options don't get fewer uh, as, as long as you're you know continuing to be one of those imports that are attractive to a club overseas. Uh, but at the same time, you feel this pressure, like okay, when should I hang them up and pursue my career, whatever that may be. Uh, so I kind of want to dive into that a little bit and just hear like how you've managed to kind of do both at the same time where you're continuing to work on your career off the field while focusing on your career on the field and, and the balance of those two things. And just wanted to get a little insight into your situation and how you do that, because what I, I guess what I'm trying to, to get out there is you can do both. So maybe you can touch on that a bit and we'll, we'll wrap up the interview. Yeah. So I, I work in the music industry in Nashville. You know, that's where I live when I'm not on the road playing baseball. So um, what I do is I write songs for country music artists and, um, you know, work with them. And I'm on the ground every day. Every day that I'm not playing baseball, I'm on the ground in Nashville, you know, working with different different artists. So that's kind of like my career, my post-baseball career. I just want to go back to Nashville and and – you know, keep working in country music. That's what I love. Uh, I've been able to do some of that around baseball, especially in the off season. You know, I just get up in the morning and I have this baseball facility that I work out at. I have a key and I can go in in the morning and I get my work in, I lift, run, you know, hit a little bit. And I keep my baseball skills 
sharp so that if an opportunity comes up in Guatemala or indie ball or wherever, I'm ready. Yeah. Even though I'm technically in the off season, I'm working, I'm pursuing my other path, but give me a week to get there and I'm okay. I'm ready. You're ready, ready to go. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. And, and in, in the post COVID world, more and more people will be able to kind of work remotely and whatnot. So I'm kind of curious to see how that translates into these, to the lives of international or the lifestyle of international baseball players. And if, if they're able to, you know, keep doing it a little longer, um, um, maybe in your situation that, that makes it a little more challenging because you need to physically be in Nashville uh, for, for a good portion of, the, of each year or the off season, um, whether the off season's in the summer or the winter. Um, yeah. But, but you know, more and more guys, you know, I think there's opportunity where they can, you know, like if you look overseas, maybe not so much in indie ball, like you, you know, you practice a lot, you got three games a week, where overseas there's so much more downtime that if you are able to study or work remotely, um, there's plenty of time to do both to keep your skill level up and get your work in for baseball while at the same time pursuing whatever you're pursuing. Yeah, I agree. I'm hitting well and I'm playing well, but I could get cut tomorrow in indie ball. Yeah. You know, you could, yeah. you could have a career ending injury. You don't necessarily know when it, when it's all going to end and you know, mm-hmm. you want to be prepared for, for whatever's next when that happens. Well, this is uh, this has been good. Uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. I know you guys are in second place, so you're you're um, on pace to to challenge for a championship there. Thanks, Bernsey. Appreciate it, man. Right on, and say say hi to some of the boys there for me. Awesome. All right. Right on. Right on. All right. Take care, buddy. We'll be in touch. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to our interview with Brian Ruby, our country singing, world traveling baseball player. If you're interested in taking your baseball career overseas, the best way to go about it is to visit baseballjobsoverseas.com and fill out the feedback form that we have right on the front page of the website and we'll get back to you with some feedback on what your chances are and in which leagues, in which countries, and we'll answer any questions you have. If you want to give us a follow on social media, you can find us just about anywhere under the handle at Baseball Jobs Overseas. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody, and may the baseball gods be with you.